So two doors down from the room that you're in right here is room 407. Um, that room is probably the only room that I would be nervous to sleep in alone around here because I've had a few things happen in there. Um, while I was in that room one night, um, I brought a group in just sort of thinking like, hey, it's a general fourth floor room, kind of funny. With that group was this guy who was probably like 22 years old and he's like, I'm not into this, but he's like, like you know, big tough guy. Um, he walked into the bathroom in that room, which is huge, looked into the shower. I'm sitting there, can see this guy over the bathroom and the bathroom door slammed shut harder than any door I've ever seen in my life slam so hard like it shook I thought the building would shake it was like bam and 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 it goes and then the door half swung back open the guy started crying and ran out of the room and and it took a while for him to come back and um I tried later slamming that door could not figure out why it would open again in addition I walked up to that room once because that was the room that I was supposed to stay in after the investigation. They would give me rooms up here sometimes and I couldn't get it open. I'm sitting there, I'm jiggling the handle. I'm like throwing my weight against this door. It's like three in the morning. I call up the on desk like security kind of guy. He comes up here. He can't get it open either. And he looks over at me and he goes, Connor, it's, I think it's latched from the inside. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to be there tonight. And I was like, there's nobody in there, but it's latched from the inside. I got an EVP when I was asking about that room once. And it was a light voice that said, it was me. Um, sounded like a little kid, almost. It was weird. That's a, it's a, it's a weird room. Anyway, sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. On this edition, I'm at the Stanley Hotel, meeting with two accomplished ghost investigators, learning that at the Stanley, there is always more to the story than meets the eye, ghostly apparition or not. It's 2 a.m. and we're in the billiards room. Empty now and reserved only for special events. I don't think we're supposed to be in here. It's so dark and there's ceiling length mirrors revealing our ghostly silhouettes via lights from passing cars. Details of the room's design flicker in and out of focus with this light. It's a cavernous-like setting, a place where power brokers of the Gilded Age mix business and pleasure. But tonight, we trade cigars and bourbon for microphones, recorders, and EMF meters. Carl Pfeiffer and Connor Randall carefully listen. They feel out the room, on occasion questioning the silence calling for a response. I'm not looking to try to make you show off or anything. I just have a sense that you might be over here and I'm curious if you can kind of help to validate that, if you'd like. My name is Carl, by the way. I used to be up here quite a bit. The pair spent half a decade as resident investigators here at the notorious Stanley before their program was phased out. Perhaps 
What they began to find was a little too real, a little too complex for a program aimed at families of tourists. I'm here to find out if there's truth to ghosts being connected to places and people, to see if we can make contact by new methods in an old place. Next, on Euphemet, we explore the lives that revolve around the Stanley. Not all of them seem to be alive. These are the, uh, the tools of the trade that we came to know and love. We're in my room on the fourth floor of the Stanley, and the top of my bed is covered with tools of the trade. It's like a scene from Taxi Driver. Instead of illegal guns that can stop a car at 40 yards, I'm being shown spirit devices, radios, meters, electrical gadgets, with a history of possibly connecting us to the other side. Tools in which Carl and Connor have used together with great success for years. We had a really unique opportunity investigating the same place for, I mean, paraphrasing, but essentially four years straight. Um, a little bit longer, I guess, if you add it all up. But we, uh, we go through and we got to realize what works best for us and what doesn't. Um, we got to learn what provides false positives, which if we were a little less moral, we would use only that stuff because we're trying, in a weird way, to also be entertainers for these guests. You go through and you sort of realize what starts to work best for Argos and what they like. And so this is really what we narrowed down everything to. I got this recorder um, like 10 years ago today, because this was the gift that like the, we, I got the first night I came up to the Stanley. So is, really cool. is this an anniversary of some sort? So I'm a, I'm a two-time heart transplant recipient, and July 18th was the, um, was the day that I received my second heart transplant. I have a three tattooed on my wrist because I've had three hearts. Um, the one I was born with and then those two donor hearts. I started watching Ghost Hunters when I was in the hospital for waiting for the transplant. My first time coming here, I was 10 years old. It was for a children's hospital fundraiser. I was down in the basement of the concert hall. I was so scared. I was very nervous down there and I saw a door lock by itself. I saw the latch go And that was my first paranormal experience in a lot of ways. So, so you used to come here quite a bit with your family? Yeah, oh. yeah. What's, what's cool is that it would be on like this night. Like we would come up here on the transplant anniversary night. It's like Connor wants to go look at ghosts. Cool, you know, when I'm 14, 15, 16, 17. That's what we did, that's what we did, yeah. It's cool. It's a whole family affair in that regard. So it feels cool to wander around here on this night, knowing what I know now. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty special. So this is like the return of Heart Day. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. It's cool. I don't, I, I didn't know at the time, but it seems like in a real way, I don't know at any given moment, um, but it, with the paranormal, it seems like in a real way, when one door closes, another tends to open. 
You don't always see that super quickly. It seems to be on its own time frame, but it seems to happen. My first experience with that was after I was done with my time on Ghost Hunters, which, I mean, what do you do with that? Like, you've, you've, you've learned from some of the most iconic researchers about good technical investigation. Uh, I sat in dark rooms for hours with nothing happening. You think of the most creative EVP questions after two hours in a dark room with no activity. On a whim, my, one of my buddies from the show, Chris McCune, came out to Colorado and, to visit for a couple days. And we said, let's, I got to take you to the Stanley. I've never visited the Stanley and I've lived here for like 20 years, but you got to go. The, the building is alive. The, there's so much, there's a flurry of energy through here um, because it's a, it's a tourist trap. I mean, let's be honest. It's the Shining Hotel. There's thousands of people who walk through here every week putting, oh my gosh, this spookiness into it. It's also offset because there's other people who are um, come to laugh it off. It's a happy town. It's, it's a happy energy. And I have always sort of felt that way in this general building. Um, I've slept in every famous haunted room multiple times, but it's the concert hall that was our spot that we focused most of our work. We would come up here, most nights we would, but we focused in the concert hall because we could close it off. And that building would feel dead or alive, but because of ghosts. I don't know of a location that was investigated so much by the same people for, for years. But it never really became, it's funny, our little like intro tour would become a monotonous part of the job. But the investigation itself was always exciting. And then as the spirits started to come through, we started to, to become friends with them. And then sometimes we'd walk in and it would be like, okay, I don't know who this is. Or sometimes you would walk in and you'd say, hey, hey, Lucy, what's up? It's good to see you tonight, you know? They had a very strange schedule that they kept, but there were three regulars and other random spirits that came through. Lucy was the spirit of a young woman, late teens, early 20s, in the 1970s, late 70s, ran away from home, wound up in Estes Park. Uh, she got in the basement, made a little home for herself there for a short time. When they found her, they kicked her out. She died from exposure in Estes Park. Um, we've since found a very notable lack of any corroboration for that. You'd think something would be written down. So you, you guys know. went back and investigated. We went back a couple years later and we're like, let's try to find some Lucy info. There's no death records of anyone dying from exposure in all of Larimer County, which is the county that Estes Park falls in, uh, in the 70s or the 80s. Um, something like that would have been in a newspaper, you know. Some some stories go with Lucy that she actually was accidentally boarded up and locked inside and died inside the property. That would be in a newspaper. That was not. Um, basically, everything about Lucy's story is there's nothing to corroborate it. So we don't we don't really know where that story came from. Okay. What you're about to hear this is from a recorder that was left alone upstairs. What you'll hear is you'll hear us talking um, downstairs and packing up some equipment. And then you will hear clear as day, possibly Lucy, say some words. 
right there. What I hear is, um, come out and let's play. It's a fun place. Jesus, oh my God. Eddie is my favorite ghost story. He has no background. We don't know where he came from. He just showed up. Regardless of how we viewed Eddie as he grew on us, Eddie and Lucy didn't seem to get along from the start. So as Eddie kind of took over, we tried to kind of separate them. It got to a point where Carl told Lucy to go home with him if she was uncomfortable there. We were standing in the basement of the concert hall one night, and suddenly we were hit with a wall of intense body odor smell. That continued to happen for a period of, I would, I would say, six months. It would then sometimes be followed with some object manipulation. Floop. That, that recorder just flew off the chair and into the room, or, or this flashlight just jumped up. There's a lot of early object manipulation that I remember. Then the vocalization started to come through, sometimes through EVPs, sometimes out loud, sometimes whispering in somebody's ear, a deep, low voice saying words like, stab, choke, blood, kill, and then also Edward, Ed, Ed, choke, blood, kill, stab, murder. Very different from our energies with Lucy there. People would start to get scared. We managed to get kind of the semblance of a story that the love of his life, woman who was dating, cheated on him, came to blows with the other guy, and he got stabbed, drowned on his own blood. And as soon as that story pieces started to come together, we realized like, oh, he's not trying to be aggressive. He's not trying to be negative. He's just trying to tell us like, hey, this is who I am. This is my story. And he would goof around. He he touched four people, five people in the span of about 10 minutes one night in the balcony. And I think the novelty wore off after a little while. And he was like, actually, this isn't so cool. Groups come up here week after week. It's exactly the same. They ask me to do a couple of tricks. They ask me the same questions, you know, because our hands are tied. Like, how much can we really mix it up for each group that's trying to learn about this stuff? But then when he would show up after that initial honeymoon novelty phase with Eddie, he would show up in a more powerful way or a more powerful way. He would show up visually to people sometimes. There would be shadow figures that people would see. Possibly Eddie, we always sort of thought it might be him but uh when we started doing our spirit box experiment is what he really took to yeah after the novelty wore off he was steady didn't always come out didn't expend too much energy in my opinion yeah, that's... but he was there until the end okay so he has a nickname for carl which this, this tells a lot about his personality um we would not tell people this but we would blindly in another room sometimes ask i would sit there and be like hey eddie what do you think of Carl? And he would over and over and over again say, asshole. It was funny. Um, he called me nerd. Yeah, that's right. You were the nerd. Yeah, I got nerd. But Carl got asshole a lot. It's one thing to get a word like that through a device. like, But we knew that it wasn't like actually intended to be like him hey, calling you out. Like That was just personality. Like He picked on us. We picked on him a little bit. And it, it was always good. He was fine. When we left, 
we told the ghosts the last night. I, I held open the door a little extra and straight up called out to the building and said, if there are any spirits here, these investigations are closing down. I don't know if you're going to be paid attention to like you have been. So come with us. And then I held the door open for an extra 25 seconds and I walked out. this method here at the Stanley Hotel. Its origin happened February 2016, uh, shortly before we were cast out of the hotel. Um, the basic concept of it is you take this device called a spirit box. It's essentially a broken radio, scans through radio stations continuously, so it just goes station 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 at high rates of speed most people play that through a speaker and they just try to hear bits and pieces that maybe a spirit's trying to talk to them um but it's easy to just kind of expect it you know when you get 10 people in a room and someone says what's your name everyone's going to start listening for things that sound like names especially if they know the spirit's names like lucy eddie paul all right we're going to hear one of those and so I, I decided to take out that expectation element of it. Let's put on a pair of noise-canceling headphones, isolating, wrap around the ears, plug in a spirit box and crank up the volume as loud as it goes. You can't hear anything that's happening around you. After a couple of tries, we put on a blindfold too, so you don't even see what's going on. And everyone else in the room starts asking questions. And the person just says any coherent things they hear through that. For those not familiar with the spirit box, try this out in small doses because it'll give you probably a splitting headache. Eddie, are you here with us? Can you say your name perhaps again if you're here? I know you'll clear way to, to come through and chat with us if you're here. October. Sure. Quantified. It's use. How many? How many spirits are in this room here? Four eleven. Sure. How stupid is that? Operation. It's been a long time since we've talked. I know we're not in the concert hall. But we figured College. we're close enough that we'd give it a try. Eddie? There's two. There's two? Is there two spirits here with us? Hi, what's up? Hello? Who's here? 
I'm curious uh, which spirits You don't know who's talking. I know. I'm trying to figure that out. Hmm. Jim? Yes. Hey, what's up? Nice Great. Is your name Jim? Margaret. Is your name Margaret? Coming through, just one second. No, it's okay. I'm patient. I'm just trying to to guess if any of these things are something you're trying to communicate. It's simple to be hear that. Normally, when I bring Connor out of it, I was like walking. tap him on the knee, but he gets like really startled. It might be a little bit better on the psyche if like a smell is used to bring them out. It's a little less like abrupt. Chicago, so he grew, grew up. So Connor's got a sinus infection, so I don't know if he's going to be able to smell this, but I'm going to try. W. Oh, there's a smell. I just got a smell. I'm assuming that might be a cue. <laughs> okay. Take this off now. Somebody's talking to me. Thank you. I yeah, smell like a. Sound like it said Stanley. <laughs> old woman for the rest of the night. Yeah. That was weird. How was that? The smell? Yeah. I think it was better. It seemed a little less abrupt, but probably yeah. still weird. When it was <laughs> still weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like breathing in. It's yeah. Like, oh, smell. I figured if I put this on my. Were hand, you standing there the whole time? No. I just came over here to do the lotion thing. I was on the bed. I thought somebody was standing Yeah, there. twice when you mentioned that, like, like literally Jim stood there and I sat on the bed over there for like the whole session, so. You know, it, it didn't really hit me that direct connection. I've had a couple of people tell me like, yeah, you're, you're naturally going to be good at it because you have been dead twice you know and I have they freeze you they take your heart out they put another one in really quickly and then they bring you back I have a very I feel a very close spiritual connection to my donor even though I don't know who he is has it crossed my mind that Eddie is my donor yeah well, the only thing that I know is that he was a 21 year old male who, who died um, we would assume from the local area because it happened very quickly and you only have about four hours to transplant a heart. And yeah, I'm very fascinated with what happens to us after we die. Um, and a lot of that is sort of why I'm here. I've come to accept that I don't think profound answers will come through. I've come to accept maybe a little bit of that gatekeeper theory. We're not allowed to know too much. But I've had so many experiences, 95% of them in this place, that I know there's something else out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. What else did I say? I, I, I think my donor, cellular memory is a thing that people talk about a lot. I don't know what traits I might have taken on from my donor because I was 13 when I got the heart, so puberty, who knows how I would have been different otherwise. 
But I will say that there is there's a figure like I, I believe I know sort of what he looks like. I've had dreams. I've had sort of these general ideas. Um, and I would be interested in sitting down, talking to a sketch artist, you know, and seeing like what, what these sort of things are. I'm just now getting to a point in my life where I'm like ready to maybe try to figure out a little bit more about who he is. Um, took a while, but I'm, I'm comfortable in a place now, you know. So it's been 13 years and life's great. I feel amazing. Um, I have a little cold, so I don't sound amazing right now, but, but it's, but life, life's great. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. What we say is, uh, don't, don't take your organs to heaven because heaven knows we need them here. There's too many people on the list who need these things. So it's a, it's a lot to handle and a lot that, that I didn't ask for, but I know that it's a lot that's sort of like changed me into, into who I am today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are on Heart Day, Stanley Hotel. Ready to rock. I, it feels like I'm the right person to do these things, so, yeah. Can you just describe that a little bit more? <clears throat> there are really sound scientific principles that cells can quote-unquote have memories, that traits from recipients to donor, or donors to recipients can, can come through, where suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, tomatoes are my favorite food. Well, it turns out you have the liver of a tomato farmer, you know. There's, there's story after story after story of, of things like that, of having a very direct connection with somebody who has passed on. There's always the very powerful story um, of heart transplants. I think that's part of the reason that I've been a little bit more tentative to find out more about my donor, because it's such, such a close thing in terms of all the organs, you know, quote unquote, not that there are any that are unequal, but it's like, you know, it's, it's the heart, it's the heart. So it takes a lot to think about that. And it's weird. It would be like meeting like an adoptive, like biological, like parent or something like that. Maybe that's the closest I could get to compare it to. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I would be interested to talk to other people who don't know their donors who might have a spiritual connection that we could try and document before they find out just to see what might pass on things like that what do you feel like your reaction would be if, if you discovered that you had an opportunity that you were communicating with yeah I would probably happiness in some ways where it's like I've been having a long connection with somebody that I've had a long connection with I just didn't know it things kind of come full circle like that we genuinely wonder if he stayed at the hotel at all or if he went somewhere else like any of the spirits like we wonder like Eddie he was Clearly, like, never stuck somewhere from the get-go. Is he still here at this place, or, uh... Has he just been taking a little vacation, then came back to Connor and decided to play with him? She Sounds also, like he might, he might be at Connor's girlfriend's house right now. She even told me yeah. she smelled, That's like, the smelly smell one night. Before I even... I was like, 
Oh, no. Okay. And uh, <laughs> That's an Eddie move. He's trying to so steal funny. your girlfriend. I know. Eddie, come on. Um, she, uh, she is like, yeah, like, like now there's been her door handle kept jiggling one night. Well, I had a gig. I wasn't there. And, and she said her door handle was jiggling very hard and freaked her out a little bit. But, not, but that's sort of along with the MO where it's like, hey. I'm gonna give you a little jump, but I don't. But I don't mean any harm, you know. It's, and all it's, this activity starts at her apartment when she starts dating you. Like, what other spirit is following you around to mess with your girlfriend? Like, no one else fits that, you know. Like, it's not like your house is like jumping with ghosts. Like, Eddie fits the profile. Mm-hmm. He's, we. He's a good. <laughs> he's a good friend. He may have just came around with you. Right? He might have. Yeah, I like to think he did. It's it's kind of funny you and you get in the habit, um, you move or something like that, and I even sometimes kind of think like, hey, like if anybody's around, let's go. You you want them to be because I've I've never had anything harmful happen in that regard, and I want to continue the research, and so so it seems to me that the spirits can go other places, and it started at the Stanley, and can hopefully be continued somewhere else anywhere else i don't think it really matters where it's about the ghosts that you have a relationship with thank you for listening to this edition of euphemet and also thanks for rating reviewing and subscribing to this show on itunes as you probably know ratings and reviews are a big deal for new shows so your contribution is always a huge help. Also, join the Society of Euphemet group on Facebook to keep connected so we can keep searching together. And make sure to follow us at Euphemet on social media. You can follow me at It's Jim Perry on Twitter. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. Until next time, keep looking up.